All right, welcome to the Play Hard, Work Hard morning show here. We've got a special guest in studio, our industrial forest studios that we're currently building here. In fact, you're a part of the building process of the industrial forest. Mark Marseille, how are you doing today? Great. How are you doing? Not too bad. Orange Property Management is what we're talking about today, one of the companies that you're involved with where you do quite a bit of rentals out in western North Dakota as well as other places, but we're going to talk specifically about some of the western North Dakota. He's also an entrepreneur, and he's also involved with nonprofits and a few other things, so therefore he's got his hands and his head in many areas. So we're going to talk a little bit about indicators because... What are two things people do, Mike, when, they're, when, when they want to go into a community, they check out the building permits sure. and they check out the vacancies and the rental numbers and, and that sort of housing is what I'm getting at. So, yep, exactly. so uh, how are you doing, by the way? And let's talk a little bit about Western North Dakota housing. Well, you know, good. And I think, you know, the reason that I, I thought this would be a great topic is just because I know a lot of our audiences that are, you know, dealing with, you know, energy and the western side of the state in Texas and the recent events that have occurred there, uh, you know, stripping out kind of the politics of it all, there are some indicators that we're starting to see on the ground, which for policymakers, uh, people that are in industry and business and planning purposes and all that, um, sometimes we'll see data coming in a little earlier than maybe, you know, when people are looking at what happened. Uh, Because some of the businesses that we're in, our leading indicators where we're looking at activity 30, 60, 90 days out. And so we're starting to see some trend lines that are starting to occur. And they've, they've really, uh, they, they were starting to go in January. I think a lot of it had to do with the vaccine. If I'm being really honest with you, I think people are watching those numbers and now there's, you know, sort of a feeling of confidence. We got hit with a couple whammies uh, last year. I mean, I don't have to reiterate, you know, the whole thing of what occurred in 2020. But what, what what a result of that was was really a double whammy. We had really really either bizarre commodity prices, which were hard to plan, an election, which didn't give us a lot of certainty, and then we also had um, labor that couldn't travel or was restricted, and projects that were getting put on hold, and now. Um, you know, kind of what we're feeling like it feels like, that's kind of a a double entendre, but um, we know there's projects that are now getting green-lighted. We know that there is people that are looking for, you know, certain things, and we're starting to see a a spike in activity. And so some of that is web traffic that we can gauge based on keywords and what they're searching for. Um, Others are things like rental activity or in our restaurants, for example, you know, people will come into the restaurant and will say, hey, where are you coming from and what are you working on? And so we're getting that kind of leading economic indicator. And um, I just thought it'd be great to, to visit about some of the things that we're seeing because it might help. Yeah. And the thing I appreciate is that you bring all forums. You bring the analytical, you bring the actual public record. And then you also bring what I love is the intangible, the cafe talk, if you will. Yours <laughs> yeah. is more from a, a little bit more of a fluent restaurant like Maxwell's, where quite honestly, that's where a lot of decisions are made, man. In that bar, I can't tell you how many contracts we've signed in Maxwell's bar. Yeah, the, the restaurant's always been good for everything, you know, 
associated with networking and relationships, yeah. but you know, it was a tough year as we have to imagine. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Mike and Ramon have just done a fantastic job. I'm more of a coach yep. uh, with those guys, but uh, they're going to have some exciting news coming up, hopefully that we were working on this morning um, with Maxwell's and I, I can't get into the details of it, but it's, it, it could uh, involve uh, another location for them. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. Outstanding. Well, we'll make sure to uh, get the masses notified <laughs> here on the crude life and also, the other thing is your housing. Now, before we got on the air, you mentioned that you started seeing a little bit of some indicators that made you look at Williston for yeah. the first time instead of Watford City. Not that you're not looking at Watford City, but it just kind of directed your attention there. Well, we're looking at demand. So what, what's yeah. happening is, is we operate in a couple of segments, right? So one of the segments that we operate is just kind of traditional rentals, right? Um but the other the the other segment that we operate in is corporate logistics and housing. So, for example, we've worked with um, like an Ames Constructions coming into when you guys remember they finished that um, in Watford City when they did the bridge. Yeah, and as an eighteen month project, so like we knew that they were going to be bringing people there f- three to four months before. We did all the housing and logistics for about uh, thirty four of the guys where we were their their housing logistics provider. And so we work with, you know, dozens of companies from all over the United States, some even internationally, uh, specifically in the middle part of the state, uh, Ukraine and a lot of the farm workers that come in from overseas, which we did not have this year. And so when we're looking at those, we, we're, we're looking at more of like temporary people coming in on the front end that are setting up projects. And then we're also looking at more intermediate stay, you know, kind of, um, and it's not all oil and gas. I just, to be really clear, this could be things like in Thief River Falls, they're doing a big expansion of DigiKey. So, you know, we are working with the engineers and software guys and a whole bunch of stuff, but it gives us sort of an insight, especially within that kind of short-term accommodations model. Um, Cause we talk to the guys and we want to know, Hey, what's going on? Like what, what are, what's happening? So in Williston, and I can't remember the plant. You'd probably know this better than me, but they kicked off, uh, you know, there was uh, either it's a gas plant or it was, I don't know if you, which project that, it's a pretty big construction project, but that's kind of the big one that just hit recently. We have not ironically been hearing a lot about the $63 oil, and we haven't seen that directly translate yet. Well, that's interesting. I took two phone calls today. <laughs> Seriously, two phone calls today from the the, the kind of the consulting operators. They're not mm-hmm. operators, but mm-hmm. they, they kind of got a share in it and this and that. They said the same exact thing. They that's thought it. they would have been busier mm-hmm. with $63 oil. Yeah. Uh, I was out API Dickinson, and... Uh, presented there. By the way, Dickinson Press did a nice story on oh, me. Oh, you know, you got to love the family over there. They're, yeah. They do a good job. So uh, the thing I was hearing out there was all the guys that came back from the Permian empty-handed. They said that they went down there because that's where all the rigs are, 200-some oh, rigs. But they're all, you know, pretty well controlled right now with, with vendors and et cetera. And oh, so, yeah, yeah. They, they thought there'd be all this new new business, and they didn't realize they got to hustle harder and, and chustle, uh, uh. Charlie hustle a little bit different. You know, because, listen, at the end of the day, the, the, the government just printed like 14 trillion new dollars. Yeah. And so there's yeah. a lot of money out there we got to go get, right? It's just a matter of who's loosening up their purse strings a little bit, what banks are lending a little bit. And you know what I mean? Where there's there's a little bit of extra work that has to be done these yeah, days. Yeah, I think it's not as easy. I, I don't think it's like past cycles, to be honest with you. You know, 
generally we would see the six week up down swing. Yes. So, you know, look, the commodity prices come down and they stay there for a while. And then you see the six week. Okay. Now it's all going and they, they're, they're a very nimble industry. Um, when, when I, when I've been watching, you know, creeping contracts, futures contracts going up, you know, 59. And of course they hit the magic 60. Now they're at 63. You know, you know, they can lock production numbers. You know that they can hedge out and you know that they're profitable at that level, but it would make sense if they're having problems logistically with rigs and people. That's the stuff that we're trying to get our arms around in, in a many of the businesses we're talking to. I just talked to two bankers this week, extensive conversations about what they're seeing, not so much in the energy industry, but just in industry in general in Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana. And there is, uh, and I've said this for a while, I said, we're gonna have massive labor shortages and we now are starting to, in certain segments, you can't get people. And and if you can't get people in units of production in certain industries, you just simply can't get the work done. And so my concern has been more about, are we able to actually get the, the, the talent, uh, not so much the equipment, although there is an equipment shortage now in the United States. I don't know if you've seen John Deere stock or you've seen, uh, you know, so many things got put on hold. A lot of manufacturing early in the, you know, they, they compress their manufacturing cycles. The OEMs are really efficient. But now, are they able to ramp up? All of that includes labor and bringing people back into the workforce. And the other thing that I think that you, you really have to look at is, is the pandemic in the last year. There were a lot of people like linemen that were 67, they kind of stayed on, they were making great money, um, but they just called it quits. And so like we saw in a lot of the industries where we have an older skew, very skilled technical labor force, you know, some of these industries don't attract a lot of new young people. Uh, linemen are a good example of that, T&D, power generation, that kind of stuff. And so what's happening is a lot of the guys that were just at retirement age, they just flat out retired. And so how much of our labor force disappeared? And then in the past, you know, they'd contract those guys back and bring them at a much higher rate. But, but at what point uh, does somebody that might have health issues and we're still sort of in a pandemic and there is still fear out there? I mean, that's absolutely real. Um, do they just say, no, I don't care how much money I get paid. It's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. And so I, 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 it's just going to be fascinating to see how that translates into inflation in the system or asset uh, inflation or commodity inflation. But we certainly are feeling it in labor and wages right now. The $15 minimum wage is kind of funny in this part of the world because I could never hire anybody for under about 19 or 20. Ain't I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could get somebody at $15. But um, it's sort of a mute conversation, I think, in a lot of our industries. Well, I find it interesting about the disappearing workforce. And one of the reasons why I appreciate your mind uh, and, and your information on this is because you've got uh, rentals in coal country. You've, yeah, you've and got, we're, we've got a lot going on in coal got, country right yeah. now. It's crazy what's going and, on. And we'll get to coal country in just a second. But you've Go got, coal, go coal. You've got coal country. You've got oil and gas. You've got some ag as well. So a you, lot of ag. So you can, yeah. yeah, exactly. So you, you kind of know where everything is. And at the end of the day... You were talking about skills and trades and certain things that do transition from industry to industry because some of these welders, pipe fitters, and and these specialized uh, uh, skills that you need to be 
license in the state of North Dakota to do. But what about all the college kids that didn't go back to school well, and didn't graduate or put it off? I mean, we've got... That, that's we're what not I'm getting, getting at. We're not even getting the college kids anymore. We were at, at my uh, presentation the other day at API. We were going over some of the things that we were talking about on the crude life over the past decade. And about six years ago, for about a year and a half, we did a big feature, just reoccurring interviews with all walks of life about why the trades are more mm-hmm. actually valuable than the four-year degree right now in Correct. terms of yeah. th- because of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. And so that got me thinking a little bit, and then we transitioned to what's known in the industry as the big cruise shift. And what it was is back in 2015 and 16, a lot of the industry leaders were talking about by the year 2022, the year 2023, 75% of the industry was going to be retired and a whole new generation was going to be in, right? I don't know where they're coming from. It makes sense, though. Yeah, sure. And so what you have is not only the retirees like you're talking about, but that's bringing in a whole new mind as well. Well, and how did that play into this power crisis that we had in Texas? I mean, the thing is, from a TND perspective, you, you do look at Texas somewhat self-contained. I mean, it's a good example of... Great example. I mean, you don't have burstable guys there and, and linemen. And when you have that stuff happen, that was traditionally NSP. When we were growing up, it was NSP had guys out there yeah, at three no, in the morning on... Northern States Power. Right. Yeah, I, yeah I'm dating myself. And And... We were watching that crisis unfold, and and to a certain extent, it, it really showed the gutting out of the trades and the, the lack of, of bent strength that we have, you know, because they come from other parts of the country in crisis. And so we're looking at that as, I mean, if you want to talk about a crisis, talk about, you know, a really big push for, for electrification of, of our industries, and, and at the same time, a depopulation of the skilled electrical mm-hmm. trades. And and nobody's having that kind of conversation. They're, they're having conversations about the sexy side of those businesses, but those are pipes businesses, and they are skills businesses, gerrymandering electricians, um, mm-hmm. skilled trades. And I'm just telling you, I mean, we're just not seeing the replacement there. And I don't know how you automate that industry. I don't know how you 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 take, um, you know, where, where, where there's a line buried out there on County 4, you know, down on, you know, and they have Platts and, yeah. you know, Esri and all that stuff. How do you, how do you, how do you create how do you create capacity around that? It's a really tough discussion, especially when we're getting a massive amount of uh, a massive amount of investment into the consumer side of that, but we are not seeing a investment on the transportation district or localized generation. And 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 even if you do that, and that sounds sexy and I sound real smart, but I don't know, you know, anything about the components of that. It seems to me that it would still involve extremely skilled. People well, I'm looking it. at it like, okay, you, when you look at an assembly line, automation and robots tends to work. Yes, okay? for It sure. works because the human element, there's just there's tired and, and, and drug use and all kinds of, you know, yeah. the things Old that Old guys happen. like you and me with arthritis. Exactly. That go and do the, uh, or, you know, I'm going to watch Netflix videos while, <laughs> while, you know, doing quality control <laughs> over, the, over the beer, you know, type yeah. thing. Robots take care of a lot of that different automation stuff on the welding and the spots and that sort of thing. You're right. Out in the field, that's a whole, that's a customization that we're not there yet. We don't have Terminator robots walking around. Well, and I don't want to bring up the dirty word that nobody really wants to talk about, but in most countries like Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and and Qatar and all these, they bring in people from other countries. So they have uh, guest worker programs with skilled labor and construction labor. This is something that, uh, again, stripping any political conversation about it, 
generally every summer in Beulah, we have Ukrainians that come in and do a lot of skilled farming work with really, really expensive machinery. And, and, um, and, and we don't have a policy on that right now. We don't have a, Hey, we need, uh, not from, you know, the Southern part of this, this, you know, where we're from, but Hey, are we going to Poland and are we going to pull 25, you know, 12,000 engineers out of the former Soviet Union to come on guest workers and to to work in these industries where they might have more skills, but their labor costs are really, really, really low comparatively to the Western side of the, the world. But then we've got COVID and you've got travel restrictions and, and the free markets are hampered. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it just, you know, it creates uh, anomalies. But there's also opportunities. I think, obviously, with every uh, challenge, there's always going to be a corresponding opportunity. Bigger question, though, I think, which uh, for another day, and, and we'll uh, transition into your coal country next, but I think the bigger question is what, what you mentioned earlier is how do you make welding and pipe fitting and electrician work sexy to you know the younger generation? Have you ever met a boiler worker? I have. <laughs> I have. In fact, I just got a text Pipe this bitter. morning from one who he had to go and have a nerve uh, surgery because it's a tough business and he drives all over the state. Well, we're and, dealing with boilermakers right now in Beulah and we've worked with these folks for 20 years, a lot of the same mm-hmm. folks. Um, for two and a half years, uh, they're, you know, of course, the, the four letter word coal yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and a lot of po- bad policy coming out of Minnesota, and I'm going to just reiterate bad policy decisions coming out of Minnesota, that really does hurt our industries. And I'm not trying to be mean, but it, it's true. And it's senseless, and it's sort of like dumb. There's, there's sort of like ignorance on fire without a plan. And our issue that we're seeing is they, pu- they deferred projects. You can't defer maintenance forever. And then we had a rail spur fire that they were going to bring a crew up to do, you know, what we call our, our boiler turns or, you know, they have to maintain the plants that are there and they weren't able to because of logistics and COVID. And now we don't know if it's two or three at the time. And now we have no housing for them at all. We are completely full. We are overwhelmed. I've got a staff of 12 people there right now that are trying to make ready units that have not been in, in, in use for four years um, because of all of this downsizing of coal. And now there's this, now there's this immediate demand, and so again, the 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 chop, the chop in the normal cycles that we've gone through for 20 years, where we knew they'd come in and we could plan around it, got disrupted. Some of it was policy driven, some of it was economic, uh, but now some of it is things we can't control. You know, things like a pandemic. So, um, how have the <clears throat> uh, states and the corporations been? in the past year and and let me just expect, it's funny i got ex- a call from texas from one of our clients while you're here and i know who it is and i i know that it's a group coming up to uh watford city i just know it is okay and the reason i ask is that you know in the pan- the last year a lot of people have been using covid as an excuse not to talk oh, yeah, to people that, that, yeah, they, that they don't want sure. to talk to and etc etc yeah. everybody's busy right or everybody's afraid i just of COVID. blame everything on covid Right. Well, yeah. no. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's been too long for 9-11. I'm Something really tired and don't want to get out of bed. Oh, man, I'm having a COVID day. Exactly. <laughs> I'm having a COVID moment. My kids are, my kids are already <laughs> telling me he doesn't want to go back to school because of COVID, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, but I, what, what I'm getting at, though, is that 
Uh, the states and the corporations are are very involved right now with the marketplace. Okay, they're 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 very involved with. They're trying to be. I don't know how involved or effective North Dakota is being in coal at all right now. I mean, well, I know there's a lot of time. I don't know. They're, they're, the state is. Well, the I state mean, with is. the reclamation fund. I mean, sure. there's a little there's bit. There's millions but, of dollars that the state has to help with. Are they going to take over that coal plant and make it the Bank of North Dakota, too? I don't know. But I mean, but, I mean, is it viable? Or is it just going to subsidize the money losing industry? I mean, what if, what if? okay, let's just get into it for a second. Okay. So We, we, we won't even get into it. Okay, no, no. Here, here's how you could support the industry. And this, every, I'm going to get shot by saying this living in, in the Red River Valley. XL Energy is a Minnesota company that is in the utility business. It is a Minnesota company that is waging war on North Dakota. Make no mistake about it. You can can read. Hold on. Okay. They're waging war on North Dakota. They don't like North Dakota. They want nothing to do with North Dakota. They're doing everything they can short of the Interstate Commerce Act to try to impede that production of coal, irrespective of the environmental stuff or anything else. It's a political groupthink conversation. So if you are on the Industrial Commission or you're on the, you know, if you are uh, on the PUC, it's simple. If you mandate that they have to have X amount of, of energy because of reliability and safety from North Dakota, or we won't give them a license to operate in North Dakota. Now, Excel can make the decision. We can go to Cass County uh, Electric. We can go to other MDU. We can open up those monopolies. Those are public utilities. Mm -hmm. And so cut them off. Cut off Excel power. Just say you can't operate. If you're unwilling to use our, our generation, then we're unwilling to provide you a license to do business in our state. That would be one very unpopular, very lit- litigious, getting sued kind of thing. But the thing is, Minnesota used litigation against us all the time. I was. It's funny you brought up XL Energy because that was the corporation I was going to ask you about. Because I'm reading if, your mind again. If you took a look at their recent report that they set out, they upped the. Uh, well, you ed- saw you saw the skull and crossbones on the state of North Dakota, right? No, I didn't. Um, Joe. No, okay. All, all I saw was that they they upped the uh, getting rid of coal by about ten years or something like that to 2030. Great. Then they can get and- rid of this market. That's what I mean. It's it's the it Great. was in their new report, market. and so I was trying to I'm trying It'll to get like more information US Bank on it. Doing business in North Dakota, what do they contribute to the state of North Dakota? Where do they lend in North Dakota? They don't lend anything in the state. They take and they take and they take and they don't contribute. I'm sorry, but they don't. That's interesting. So okay, well that answers that question. Good deal. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the state can affect policy. Is what they can do. You don't. I right. have another one. Great. Um, let's just take it a different different thing. We're going to impose a $25 or a 25% tax on, um, on, on non-coal produced energy uh, for any PUC, and they have to meet a minimum threshold of the amount of power they buy from the state of North Dakota. We'll throw hydro in there. I'll throw wind in there. I'll throw clean coal in mm-hmm. there. I'll throw, you know, liquefied natural gas, whatever you want to do. But the thing is, we don't use our policy like Texans do. We don't use a big stick, which we have, but we are so nervous and scared in North Dakota. Aw, shucks, because we're this little state. No, we're a very powerful state. This state controls $200 billion. This state controls a lot of stuff. It's just they don't want to go up against the big boys, i.e., uh, Google and uh, you know Apple mm-hmm. and make policy decisions that are going to cause a lot of money in litigation. That's just the bottom line. But at what point do we sacrifice the industry for political correctness? How how do you see North Dakota being more like Texas then? Well, what I'm saying, Texans 
If you go into Texas, I love Texans. Let me just tell you this. I love Texans. If I go down to Dallas and, and I go into a bar and I go, ah, oh, this crappy Texas, I'm going to get my teeth knocked out, okay? If, if I disparaged Texas in Texas, I would get beat the hell up. If you come in like these Minnesota companies do and they're all pompous in Minneapolis and they look down on us and they are arrogant about, you know, we're, we're, you know, backwater, nowhere, Dakota, and they disparage us and they litigate against us and they undermine us. But nobody ever stands up and just says, I'm going to punch you in the damn face. The next time you disparage my state, you disparage my, I had a Minnesota do this the other day from Minneapolis, pissed me off. I was at a, uh, an event and this guy called uh, North Dakota girls fat. And I nearly punched him in the face. I said, look, dude, if I was in Dallas right now, I would knock your teeth out. I go, if I was in Minneapolis and I said that, I'd probably be arrested in jail by now. Right. So the thing is, knock it off. At what point do you protect and defend your reputation? At what point do you stand up and say, no, we do good things for our country. We grow food here. We are a contributor. As a matter of fact, a lot of our North Dakota banks own the banks in Minnesota nowadays. God bless them. Okay, but the thing is, we let people walk on us. We let us walk on us from a political perspective, policy decisions, and we don't stand up. And it's just a part of our nature. We've always been, like Mao said, the Chinese people have stood up. And that was a big thing in China at that time, because at that time in China, Chinese had always been invaded. They'd been, you know, abused. They had been, but you know what? They got proud and they said, no more. And North Dakotans need to say, no more. The North Dakota people have stood up and said, not anymore. The last time this happened was in 1917, 1916, 1915, when big political interests out of state were taken advantage of or not lending to us or having usury prices. When people are saying, shut down an active pipeline, Dakota Axipat, who's operating with 500,000 barrels, and we have a soft conversation about this. This is not a soft conversation. This is all-out warfare on our industries, and we should be vocal and angry as hell and not going to take it anymore, Mr. Broadcast. I'm with you, man. I I was talking about some similar things and at the API at the API presentation, and I'm I'm going to get your your theory on this or your thoughts on this too because I actually just kind of brushed off a presentation from four years ago, but I left one of the slides in there on purpose because the. Two political figures that I had on the slide was Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Because at that time, when I was given that presentation, they were the only two that were having the national conversation about banning oil and gas and fracking and that sort of thing. Well, you look at today, we got the president of the United States waging a war. And you got John Kerry saying that he's a climate Caesar or an envoy or something like that in the name of oil and gas, too. So... I agree. We got to stand up and, and actually say something here because it's it's going the other way. The momentum yeah, is. But you know what's really funny about that? The most rational guy in the room is Joe Biden because he's the one saying, "Wait a minute! If you shut that down, grocery prices are going to go up." Here's what we need. Is to he do. saying that? Yes, now? he said that. Well, I about mean, time. Well, geez, I mean, gosh, got a moment of lucidity. But the thing about it is, the biggest champion we have in this state, and we don't use her enough, is Heidi Heitkamp. I mean, this, her and Joe Manchin's and people like that that were the moderate Democrats. I mean, we should be, uh, we should be having that Heidi. I, I, I'd be happy to pitch in a fund 
and support her to be a lobbyist on behalf of the oil and gas and coal industry in North Dakota because she believes in it. She's I, I'm I'm she, I'm not no, the, I'm not no, saying maybe I'm a you know I'm a non political person, but what I'm saying is. Every time she gets up and says common sense things about, you know, like really, you know, there's some people just say, don't take it out of the ground. It makes sense. But they listen to her and Joe Biden will listen to her. And so setting the politics aside, you've got an access to a person that is a former senator, an AG, sat on the board of, uh, I, I can't remember if it's Seinfeld's or one of the things, who gets it. And she understands the balance between all of the above. We don't rely on her, and we don't rely on others like her enough. And and I think that that is something that we could do across the aisle as an industry, as a people. And I'm thinking more as a person of North Dakota with business interests here and family here to say, look, it's an all of the above political conversation mm -hmm. too. It's not political anymore. It's survival. We are fighting, whether you like it or not, for the survival of our industries right now from people that have no understanding at all of what we do. And like any good marketer and like any good lobbyist or like any good messenger, we've got to take control of the message as soon as possible. And people like Heidi and Joe Manchins and others that are of that persuasion, we should be validating them for that, stripping the politics aside, because those may be the only people left to prevent a catastrophe that I'm very much worried about, which is groupthink, and then we see what happened in Texas. And it's life No, and I'm death. with you. I'm, it's I'm, life I'm, and death, Jason. This I'm is not you. this there, is a serious issue here. It's extremely serious and we have to figure <clears throat> out ways to connect because the traditional ways aren't working. No. Okay. And we gotta strip the politics out of it. We gotta get down to data. We Absolutely. gotta get down to the common sense of do you want uh, your electric bill in Moorhead this month, this next month will be $400 and it will. Okay. Now the consumers are going to get angry about that and then they're going to blame somebody and you better be in front of the messages before they do that. But here's what we always used to say. If it ain't broke, why are we fixing it? And, and, and the reliability of the, the energy production and all of the above up here, you know, do you know that we have a big hydro industry in North Dakota? I do. Okay. Do, do we ever talk about it? Never. Okay, why and, not? And it's even renewable. And we should. It's considered right. renewable. But if I told you we're the fifth biggest hydro producer of electricity in the United States, I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know it was okay. fifth, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, so that's what we need to be talking. Mm -hmm. If you want to get uh, you know, uh, my, my Audi ad agency friends with $23 million from the state of North Dakota and put some money to work instead of you know covering up a bunch of the bad decisions that have been made, why don't we start promoting the industries that are favorable with the Looney Tune crowd and start saying, well, if you attack this other stuff, you're going to show... If I was messaging this, if I was Audi, uh, you know, communications... I would message it like this. If you shut our coal down, we're going to shut off the hydro dams. Okay? That's it. They're interconnected. You can't take my right arm and chop it off and expect me to, to, to live as a whole entity. Okay? I'm going to have half of mm -hmm. an arm. Mm -hmm. So we are an integrated energy uh, production. We use natural gas. 
we put it into our sin fuels plant, we create commodities, right? We create byproducts. We don't even use the natural gas that we, the coal that we have up in Beulah. We're creating 20, 30, 40 different industrial byproducts from coal. Do we ever talk about that? Do you know that a lot of those are used in batteries for, for, for all the stuff that they're doing in electric power, the, the electric stuff oh, that they're doing? Yeah. Okay, but do we ever talk about that? Do we talk about we are the Saudi Arabia by Randorga of wind? Okay, we are. But 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 now we're like now we're brother against brother and wind. It's like you know wind's bad and we're beating each other up because reclamation and all this bullshit. I mean the thing is why don't we just start to get our messaging? It was the funniest thing is when BP started convincing people that they were an alternative energy company. I mean it was the best marketing ploy ever after this after this spill. They blow out the Gulf of uh, Mexico and now everybody thinks they're green because beyond they petroleum. <laughs> yeah, and they create they create this green aura after they pollute yeah. the world, man. And Change so, their name from British Petroleum. So we to should BP. be we should like we should change the messaging because people are fundamentally going to hear sound bites in this world but we are not great at this okay get some college kids from ndsu do an open rfp from the state of north dakota it's two grand not 25 million and give them the next uh, version of north dakota how we should message renewable sustainable clean environmentally uh friendly energy and I guarantee they'll do better job than any of these big agencies will ever do. I, I couldn't agree more. So that's part of the problem is not what we do. It's how we tell people what we do. I think a big, big issue is just connecting, honestly. It's, it's how, how the trying to do the same things with the same people over and over again ain't working. Right. And anybody trying to do anything new rather than support, they demonize. Yeah. They, they go after Now, let me ask you a question. You had stage four cancer. Yeah. Okay. Scary. Very. Okay. Yeah. Now, if I asked you this, uh, Jason, did you react to your cancer or did you respond to your cancer? What, what would be the more favorable? Well, um, for me, I mean, since I was doing so much preventative stuff, I suppose that, I Is that a response? Right. A reaction would be it. like it's metastasized, mm -hmm. it's spreading, which another good friend of mine has, has eight months to live because he was not responding. He did not go into the doctor. He did not do the preventive. And now he's terminally ill. What you did is you took a proactive, responsive, mm -hmm. aggressive approach to all of the above, didn't you? you it was nutrition. It was exercise. Yep. It was everything. And so government is typically a reactionary entity. They are never a responsive entity except for in local and county and state government. So we know that flood protection is an issue. They're responding to that in this flood bonding bill. But that's a 20-year conversation and planning. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's a reaction to the 08 flood, the 97 flood. That was the reaction, but the response has been to have a plan. We're good at that in this part of the world. We're great at that in this part of the world. So we need to have an all-of-the-above messaging. Um, you want to talk about an existential threat? Okay, they say ex existential threat. Climate change is an existential threat. Mm -hmm. It may or may not be, but I will tell you what is right now if all of our industries get shut down in North Dakota. That's, that's my existential threat. I would say that's a crisis for me. Having us, what, industry shut down? Having uh, socialism ushered in? What? Yeah, like, you know, like all of the above. How am I going to power tractors if you don't have fuel? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, even, you know. Harvesters. Even, 
Even if you hold up this this orange property management plastic pen in my hand, what do you think that was made out of? You probably bought these for you know five thousand of them for about a dime a piece, right? You know, at the oh, end whatever, of the day, yeah. maybe twenty cents. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, now without petroleum pro- without petroleum, it'll be like four bucks. No, it's going to be a paper straws, which I hate drinking out of. But no, oh, no, <laughs> no they'll, yeah, they'll no, figure out like corn plastic, right? <laughs> right? You know, something like that. And that might be fine, but like right now, you can't replace all that's, that. Right that's now. what I'm saying. People don't understand. What about the surgical equipment? Book. Yeah. What about Lunchables? Do you think people want uh, what about some sort of pharmaceutical products? Like, do you realize what goes into the drugs that you take? Right. I'm just saying the world is interconnected. It's not, you can't take one component. And, and, and I w- really wish that the name of North Dakota would have been West Florida. Okay. It would have probably North changed. Florida. Right. Remember that one? Yeah. West Florida. Florida. Oh yeah. So there's only two States in the country with the word North in it. And one's in the South folks. Uh, people, people don't understand. This was real. This was actually a real thing. Remember that when, when somebody floated that, where yeah, they wanted to actually no, change the state name to, to like North, North, West or North Florida for was tourism me. That reasons. was me. That was you. That was me. <laughs> I'm the one that advocated that. <laughs> that you know, awesome. that's before everything happened. Okay. Well, that made it in the papers, man. That was fantastic. But what so. I'm saying is, it's it's it's. I wish that the word fracking didn't sound like something that is naughty. Oh, that was actually part of my presentation yeah. too. So, so if they would have been calling it like. You know, bead making, or but we like, can, uh, we can change exactly. it exactly. We can change it right we, now. We have the wrong term. So here's the thing: it's is that called fr- like cigarettes. We shouldn't call right. it that either, right? Fracking is a very specific, sounds technical, correct term. Effing is but, what it sounds like. But you, fracture. so it's easy to get a no. But no. it's easy to get against something that sounds offensive. No, I know because because there's not a positive connotation. Yes. throughout your right. whole life, you That's fracture right. a relationship, you, you fracture, fracture a bone, you fracture a dam. Therefore, when somebody hears it for the first time, I was thinking about the carnal part of that. But well, that's didn't even get into that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But so that's why we have our Frackleberry Hound. For the first time, somebody <laughs> smiles and laughs when they hear that word, okay? And we tried to use freedom juicing, but we got we we got we we got, you know, heckled by our own industry. We tried horizontal drilling. I'm sorry, horizontal flushing because your poopy goes flush. And kids would laugh at that, but adults didn't like that. So for 3 years we've tried some different words than fracking. Well, and maybe the Petroleum Council and those guys need to come up with a new nomenclature around the industry. That would that be That maybe won't Hurt. That would be how it would get done, yeah. as opposed to a crazy guy like me trying different right, things because, at because different words, events. Words matter. They damn and, right they and, matter. And, and messaging matters so, when, when people believe what they hear. Back in 2013, I went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the big thing where they bring in the Federal Reserves and all that yeah. stuff. And it, it, it's they have so many... The net worth is unreal. The guy who invented the internet, Rob Ryan, Lucid Technologies, Ascent Communications. Not the, not the guy Meatloaf from the... No, oh, okay. no. no <laughs> oh, Rob, Rob Reiner. Yeah, yeah, not Rob Reiner. But Rob Ryan, he's he's considered like uh, Jobs and Gates and everything. Yeah. He, he, he actually invented the local area network, okay? So this guy's worth billions of dollars. He was there as an investor, as somebody that they brought, not as a speaker, but somebody right. who was... So it's very high level. They had Rolls Royces there that you could buy... You know, that's test drive. Um, the first speaker was whoever the Western energy person was, the CEO. He was kind of the big get. I, you know, XL Energy would probably be yeah. ours or MDU or uh, something like that, right? right? And um, so he got up there. And the first thing he said was, 
We could have gave Madison Avenue a billion dollars to come up with the worst word ever for our industry, and they would have came up with frack. And we did it to ourselves for free. absolutely right. And I never forgot that. And I'll tell you what, I've tried to poke that bear, so to speak. I've tried to make those changes since that big, important guy in the industry back Mm -hmm. in 2013, 14 said it. The rest of the industry hasn't caught up to that yet. Mm -hmm. But you go outside of pro wrestling or sports, it's a tough word to pass. Like in sports, it sounds great. It's a very aggressive word. But to the average person who's holding a baby, it's not. Mm-mm. And so I don't know. That's that's just what I was getting at is that there are people in the industry that well, would like to see hard, it change. Yeah, it's hard to go to your timeout space, you know, with that word. Right? It <laughs> right. is. So I don't know. I don't know if you've got any ideas for it because. We- no, but, but the idea that I have is why don't we just say that we've solved the climate crisis? Why don't we just self-proclaim like so many people do is they're the self-appointed expert of something. And we actually say North Dakota has absolutely solved the entire credit and global warming crisis. And and here's how we did it. Mm-hmm. And and you can just look at the weather outside. It's 40 below. It worked. Okay. And all we do is we proclaim it. And I agree. Prove us wrong. No, but we did. We but have the cleanest air in the country. Totally. We have the lowest oil uh, energy prices. We're the net exporter. We have more sustainable um, uh, power generation in this state than at a percentage of population of anybody. Of course, we never tell anybody that. So why don't we just get out there and say we did it? We did it. We did it. And we have the climate data to prove it. See, now, Kevin Kramer, <laughs> but Kevin <laughs> Kramer. Right. Senator Kevin Kramer, that's what he wants to do. I agree he with him. He wants them. to rejoin the Paris Agreement for that reason. Yeah, Say, okay, we, guys, we, we're we in it. Yeah. And if you'd like to follow us, you can be clean. Yeah. If you want to keep going down your path, By the way, I think if you added up the credits under the now under the climate, I think North Dakota comes out making money. Probably. Like a ton. <laughs> because too. of all of the because of all of the amount of alternative energy. I really wish that we did this entire deck on this on on the current and the last 40 years of sustainable energy production in North Dakota. And you can actually, whether you can say it with a straight face or not with biofuels, uh, you know, like with ethanol and everything else growing, you know, using food for fuel. Uh, but you can say that it's renewable. There's no question about that. I was going to ask you about your buddies out at the ethanol plant. Do they? Uh, <laughs> well, I think they're doing, they doing much. Well, they're doing sequestration. You saw that article. We, I was at your house when oh, that's right. we saw yeah. that. I mean, $2 billion. So, yeah, I mean, they're thinking about all kinds of things. Um, you know, North Dakota could be a repository because of the stable geology of our state for, you know, for re-injected uh, CO2. I mean, why aren't we saying, man, we are the leader in injected CO2? Instead of calling it frackers, say carbon capture. Let's rename fracking as carbon capture. Absolutely. What do you think we push down in those places? Right. And then we're just injecting it with CO2. We're carrying the planet, man. We're better than those surfers in that ocean project. I want a bunch of North Dakota people on surfboards in 40 below weather in swimsuits. All right? And that's going to be our brand. That's legendary. seems like a good spot to end right there but any any final thoughts (laughs) no i think i said it all right there